You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I want to thank you for joining us to discuss all things Texas Longhorns right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy at Locked On Horns on Twitter. With me on a Friday, my former co-host, Cami Griffin from the Longhorns Wire. She is going to help us along as we do another edition of the Football Friday. Big 12 came out with their new schedule. We're going to talk that. We're going to talk position battles in the next two segments. But we're going to start with football scheduling. Cami, the new schedule came out, and how surprised were you to see that Texas was not going to be... They're only going to leave the state of Texas once until November when they play Iowa State in Ames. Uh, how shocked were you to see kind of an, an almost an entire slate in the Lone Star State uh, versus having to go outside very early in the season? Well, I mean, I, I would say that's certainly beneficial, and it is not having to travel uh, very often or that far, but they do have a rough three-game stretch in October. I know they're at TCU, which is hard enough uh, to play Gary Patterson at home or away, and I think they've actually lost three of their last four when they've traveled to TCU. So uh, right after that, they're traveling to Dallas to play Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry, and then right after that, they're hosting Oklahoma State. So I think that's the roughest stretch um, of games, even though they're not necessarily uh, leaving the state. I think that's probably their toughest uh, three games uh, along that schedule, I would say. You know, I think it's interesting you talk about that being a rough stretch. I think they get a really rough stretch just to begin the season. Um, you know, you're going to open up against Louisiana Lafayette. Um, and, and if you don't know, they are returning the most production of any program in the country. 96% of their team from last year returns. Oh, by the way, Texas is 95th overall in college football, returning a lot less uh production than Louisiana and then they're going to follow it up with a trip to Arkansas to play the Razorbacks uh, a throwback to the old Southwest Conference uh, we're going to get that game I think it's a tough stretch right off jump I mean that that was the first thing that jumped out to me I was like those first two games which we knew the first two but when you look at the schedule as a whole I think that is almost as big a test as that that early October stretch that they're going to run into yeah, and then many of the articles we've kind of put out on Longhorns Wire over the past week or two, we've kind of mentioned, because we always knew the opponents, we just obviously didn't know the dates um, that they would be playing or where. And so we keep mentioning and circling Louisiana that feels somewhat like a trap game, which is funny, uh, but they're obviously very talented. We're interning a lot of production that you mentioned. So um, that kind of feels like a, it could be a trap game, but uh, after what happened with Texas and Texas Tech last season, they got that scare early on. I think they'll be more prepared, and I think this is going to be a more disciplined squad under Sarkeesian. So um, I don't think they'll have too much trouble with that trio of non-conference games, but um, I can see where you're coming from in terms of getting tested right off the bat with, with Louisiana and Arkansas. So um, I don't know. I, I hope they're ready for that. Yeah, so you talked about the Louisiana game right off the bat, uh, Arkansas. And then they get a little bit of a breather. They get Rice, um, and then they're going to play Texas Tech. The interesting part about Texas Tech is three of their most productive players, Alan Bowman, 
TJ Vasher, Keshawn Carter, all gone. Uh, two via the transfer portal, one going to the NFL. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how that I- offensive dynamic works. Sonny Cumbie comes in from TCU uh, to be the offensive coordinator at his alma mater. Uh, and then we, we come down to, like you said, you had Oklahoma State. Uh, they get the bye in October 23rd. It's going to be a little different, you know, because last season we had a bye week every three weeks, and it was like, oh, another <laughs> bye week. Here we go again. Um, you know, I'm sure the players appreciated it, but, you know, as fans, as people who cover the sport, it's like, oh, here comes another bye week. Uh, but after the bye week, uh, they come back against Baylor. You know, I, I thought this was interesting. When you're looking at the schedule, did you not have flashbacks to last season? Because this almost looks completely identical to last season minus the non-conference to kick off the year. Yeah, what jumped out at me is that the opening conference played with Texas Tech again. So I was like, oh, and then they obviously had that early TCU loss. So they go Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma. So, um, yeah, it looks very similar. I mean, Oklahoma State's a little bit earlier on. I just swapped them in Baylor. But, yeah, it looks uh, super similar. So that's kind of odd. Yeah, so they have uh, Baylor October 30th, um, which is where they played Oklahoma State last year, uh, like you mentioned. Um, that that's an interesting matchup because uh, you know it's great for us, right? Because we're not going to have to hear the story of Charlie Brewer and how he didn't get offered by Texas because he won't be mm-hmm. in the game. He'll be gone. We have a new quarterback because he has gone to Utah. Um, then we go into November sixth, as we said, that is a massive game that should be circled big time. Uh, going to Ames, having to play Iowa State on the road in November in Iowa, it's probably going to be a cold game, a very cold game. <laughs> Yeah, but I actually like where that game is positioned on their schedule because, like you mentioned, we play in-state at Baylor. Um, I think Texas will probably handle Baylor uh, on October 30th, and then they'll travel travel to Iowa State, and then uh, right after that they'll have Kansas. So I think it's positioned in between two very winnable games, obviously. And um, like I mentioned in my predictions, I think Texas is going to win one of either Iowa State or Oklahoma, and right now I'm leaning towards Iowa State. Uh, and then they, uh, following that game against Kansas at home, November 20th at West Virginia. Uh, and then they come back home to play Kansas State uh, in the season finale once again. Uh, you know, so, I mean, very similar to last year, I think. West Virginia game, I mean, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Baylor kind of got swapped around. But for the most part, very similar. You look at the schedule, not terrible. I mean, like you said, we knew all these games. We didn't know the order uh, beyond non-conference games because we know those are the first three games of the year. And then we knew when or we knew where and who. Uh, but now we know when. Uh, so when you look at that overall, uh, not a terrible slate as far as how it is. Like they, they have a rough stretch and then it kind of eases up for them. Then another tough stretch and then it eases up for them towards the end of the season. The big question is how many wins do you see on this schedule right now? I want your way too early mm-hmm. prediction um what what record are they finishing out the year with I have to go with what I put in my predictions yesterday so uh, that was a 10-win season 10 and 2 I think consistently Sarkeesian will be able to win um eight or nine games in the Big 12 on a regular basis um I think it's probably going to be gradual year over year but I do feel comfortable uh, just knowing the trio of non-conference opponents uh combined with how the rest of the Big 12 teams look I think they're uh and it, Honestly, one of my predictions was that they're going to, like I mentioned, going to beat one of either Oklahoma or Iowa State. I think it's easy to say Texas drops both of those, but um, I think they'll at least grab one of them. Um, Like I mentioned, I'm leaning towards Iowa State. I think they'll be completely prepared for that game. 
Um, I feel like they probably drop Oklahoma and a team like TCU or West Virginia, but I do think it's a, uh, the schedule is laid out for a 10 win season for them. I got eight and four best case scenario, nine and three. I think they're going to lose one of those early games, uh, whether it's at Arkansas or Louisiana, I think they're going to lose one of those games. I think it's going to be a tough matchup, but you know, once Sarkeesian gets in, uh, he can get his system going, you know, but you know, an eight and four year, a nine and three season in the first year of a new head coach, I think is that's a win uh, when you when you look at everything involved. Now let's talk about BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but there's NBA, there's college basketball, there's NHL, and we're not too far away from baseball season. College baseball, Major League Baseball, it's all coming down the stretch. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. Maybe you're a fan of The Bachelor and you want to pick who's going to win. Real-time updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, sports, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head on over to betonline.ag on your computer, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. You know, as we're all trying to stay healthy during a pandemic, it's still going on. The one thing that'll help is our friends at Built Bar. They got a delicious, absolutely, probably, well, you know what, I'm going to say absolutely. It's their best bar yet. If you like the cookie dough chunk Built Bar, you're going to love the coconut brownie chunk. Dark chocolate, coconut, and real brownie chunks in the bar. It's absolutely fantastic. 150 calories. 15 grams of protein, 7 grams of sugar. It's a limited time flavor. Get it today because it could be gone tomorrow. Head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. You know, we got you covered here on the Locked on Longhorns podcast for everything involved around the Texas Longhorns. But what about the rest of the sports world? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with the Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, But let's talk about the quarterback position. Let's talk about the quarterback battle, a position that is going to be talked about all offseason. We know, but we're going to go ahead and get into it. Uh, We're looking at two quarterbacks, right? I mean, it's it's Hudson Card or it's Casey Thompson, and yeah. depending on where you sit on this on either side of the spectrum, I know there's there's Casey fans out there, there's Hudson Card fans. Uh, we right here on the Locked On Longhorns podcast are talking to the president of the Hudson Card fan club. I'm talking about Cami Griffin. She's <laughs> I don't think there's no bigger fan of Hudson Card than you. Uh, when you look at this quarterback battle in position, like. Where do you lean? Do you lean towards the youth and and go with the young guy because he can spin it? Or do you go with the experience, the guy who's been preparing the last several seasons under Sam Ellinger? Yeah, this is tough for me. And obviously, you know, I'm a big underdog fan. I was uh, very in Sam Ellinger's corner when he was in a position battle with Shane Bichelle. So um, it feels all too similar. But um, technically, both of them are inexperienced, right? Casey Thompson has had very minimal playing time, although he's backed up Ellinger for several years now. 
Um, Sarkeesian is very big on leadership. And so I think that's going to probably play into Casey Thompson's hands. Like I mentioned, I think he has a foot in the door for that job already. Um, but if Hudson Card can come out and be vocal and kind of take over that leadership ability along with uh, spinning the ball while in practice, obviously he hasn't even seen either of them throw live yet. But I have read some um, interesting details regarding um, Jeff Banks. Obviously, he knows Hudson Card well, recruited him heavily uh, while he was at Alabama. So um, I think they know what they have in both players. They're just going to let them battle it out. And I think as Texas fans, uh, they're both deserving. They're kind of different uh, styles of play, I think. I think, obviously, Hudson Carr is one of the most prolific passers to come through Austin in quite some time, probably since Colt McCoy. So um, I think people are discounting him far too early. I think it's going to be a 50-50 position battle once they step on the practice field. You know, when I look at this battle prior to Alabama – or I'm sorry, prior to the Alamo Bowl, I was leaning towards Hudson. I thought it, you know, it was Hudson's job. I didn't think Casey was going to get an opportunity. And then Sam hurt his shoulder in the game and they had to go to Casey. And I'm going to tell you, I did not expect what Casey Thompson did in that game. Now you can say, well, Colorado wasn't prepared because they, you know, they game plan for Ellinger. That's fine. But he still has to execute the game plan. Mm -hmm. And when he went out there and as efficient as he was, the deep ball was there. You know, that's something that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved Ellinger when he played for Texas, but the one thing that he could not do consistently was throw the deep ball. And when we saw that throw to Calvante Dixon, I was like, okay. You know, it was like the first throw when he slides to the left uh, to avoid pressure, flat-footed, throws it. You know, it was right on the money to Cade Brewer, I was like, okay, I mean, this guy's got arm mm-hmm. talent. He's accurate. Maybe he doesn't have the strongest arm. Uh, but, you know, what was on display told me that he has the skills, the skill set to be a starting quarterback at the D1 level. Uh, and I think it's finally his time, and I hope that he does get the first opportunity. But like you said, there's going to be a battle. It's going to, you know, throughout the season or throughout the off season. Uh and do you think, because in, in the world that we are in right now, with the transfer portal being what it is, do you think whoever loses this battle is going to hop in that transfer portal and head somewhere else because they didn't get to become the starter uh, in year one? Without a doubt. But I think some time is going to have to play out on that because um, who's to say, uh, let's say Casey Thompson has that first foot in the door and gets the first crack at it, and then Sark eventually – um, ends up going Hudson Card maybe midway through the season or something along those lines. So I think it'll be a long time before that plays out. But for example, if, if Thompson ends up being the starter and has a great uh, first year as a starter, then yeah, I think Hudson Card is going to transfer. And I think the same vice versa. If Hudson Card is a um, starter and he performs well, I think Thompson will transfer because he has three remaining years of eligibility. So um, yeah, like you mentioned, he looked good in the Alamo Bowl. He only threw 10 passes, but um, when you mentioned the deep balls, which is something in deep ball accuracy, I should say, um, I think both of these quarters quarterbacks can throw the ball better than Sam Ellinger downfield. So I don't think you can really go wrong there. I think that's going to be an improvement for Texas next season. And I think, you know, when you look at the run game, and that's not something that Steve Sarkeesian uses a lot as far as his quarterbacks, right? Uh, And these guys are completely different. Like, I think when you look at Card, he's more similar to Ellinger in that he's a little tougher of a runner. You know, so I think if Steve Sarkeesian wants to incorporate that into his offense this year. I think that plays into the hand of a Hudson card. Whereas 
Thompson's the faster guy. You know, he his he's but he's also smaller, smaller not just in size but stature as well. And so when he's running, um, you want him to elude people rather than take on any hits. So that I think that's that's one avenue. But hopefully, we're not going to see a whole lot of quarterback power. I know. Yeah. I know we're kind of. Uh, uh, jaded in that because uh, we get into the red zone and, and you know quarterback power is coming. It's like, um, can we not? Can we not do that? We got a five star running back behind you to speed him the ball. Actually needs to. Yeah, that too. But uh, I I agree with you. But I think Card actually still needs to develop from a physical standpoint. He has the height. Um, he obviously has an arm on him as well. I think he kind of fits more of the style of play that Sark uh, is probably looking to run. Uh, with Texas. So I think that kind of gives him a, a little bump in the competition, I would say. But um, like you mentioned, Sark likes accurate passers. And I think that kind of favors into Card's hands. So um, I don't know. It, it seems like it's going to come down to a leadership and experience versus uh, maybe a younger, um, better accuracy type of thrower. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's one to watch. Uh, there's another position battle I want to get into. Let's talk about the tight end position. Uh, tight end position is a position that actually they should use at Texas. Jared Wiley tweeted, throw the ball to your tight ends. I think he was talking about that after the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting because that was somebody who I consistently said, hey, why doesn't Texas get him more involved? Why doesn't Texas throw to him more? Uh, but obviously, Cade Brewer is back. So when you look at the tight end position, do you think it's still Cade's job to be the starter, even though Wiley kind of proved that he's a little bit better as far as the production is involved? Where do you go with that? I mean, it's hard for me to even uh, pencil in a true starter here. I don't think there's a clear-cut starter. I think, obviously, Cade Brewer is the guy you'd probably put on the depth chart um, atop that position. But uh, obviously, Jared Wiley, I think, is going to take away a lot of targets in the passing game. I think if Jatavian Sanders comes in and plays there, he's going to get his fair share of targets, especially in the red zone, things like that. So um, I don't think in the passing game, Brewer's going to uh, have much of an impact. So um, even though he may start uh, the offseason as the number one guy, I, I think it's going to be spread around pretty evenly within that position group. Yeah, another guy that I think you know, a lot of people have discounted is Braden Lybrock, um, you know, four-star kid out of Arizona several years ago. Um, and, you know, he's a guy, he's more of that new school hybrid, you know, receiver, uh, more so receiver than tight end, uh, which, you know, is all the rage in the NFL now and, and the college is the same way. So he's a guy, I think the odd man out here is probably Malcolm Epps, right? I mean, it kind of mm -hmm. seems like he's kind of being pushed to the wayside and, and, and mostly because not because of Cade Brewer returning and not because of, of Jared Wiley. I think Jatavion Sanders kind of forced that is or is going to force that. So we might see a situation where Malcolm Epps has to go back outside where he played a couple of years ago. Um, because when you look at the X receiver, who who's playing X? I mean, you have Troy Omier. <clears throat> you have uh, Montreal uh, Zell. Um you know, so who's who's going to play out there? I see Epps because he has the size and he has the experience. Uh, I mean, my money's still on Omier, but I would still put Epps out there as well because I think that's going to help out a ton. 
Yeah, they could use some depth at that position for sure. And I, I think even Sarkeesian mentioned that, um, getting some depth there. But yeah, I think Troy's the guy. Uh, they obviously uh, watched his uh, film from fall camp last season when he was quickly emerging that depth chart and probably would have surpassed Brennan Eagles had he been healthy. So um, he's obviously a talented player. I think it'll be Joshua Moore and um, Troy as your leading uh, receivers next season. But um, yeah, that I completely agree. Epps could move there and I find a way to put your best players on the field no matter where they're playing. So um, that'll be interesting. And I'm looking forward to see where Sanders plays as well, even though it's not for sure that uh, he'll be at that tight end spot. But um, it seems that's the most likely landing spot for him. You know, when it comes to taking care of your car, there are plenty of options. There are so many different makes and models. And it's impossible to go to one place and get everything that you need. So why endure that often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the guy behind the counter to look parts up on his computer, but he's only going to tell you about part of the supplies. Maybe it's the ones they only happen to carry, or maybe it's the ones that they have contracts with. But you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why not check out our friends at rockauto.com? There's all different things that go into effect here. We're talking chain stores have these different price tiers. Are you a professional mechanic? Are you a do-it-yourselfer? RockAuto.com's prices are the same across the board and reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. Family business serving auto parts, customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com and shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Best of all, the prices are reliably low and same for professionals, do-it-yourselfers. Why end up playing twice as much? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box, so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Betting on the world of college basketball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, then we're going to go defense, right? And we have the new jack roll. Um, and Kwiatkowski's a little different from Chris Ash in that he typically uses two jacks on the field at the same time, you know, both sides, strong side and weak side. And because he runs a little bit different, it's a two, four, five defense, but it looks like a four, two, um, you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, when you look at the Jack and kind of curious, like who, who do you look at as the starter? Uh, for your primary, your primary weak side defensive end, uh, Jack. Uh, there's obviously Ray Thornton who transferred in. Um, you also had a transfer from Notre Dame, or you could talk about the guys that are already on the team. I'm gonna put my money on Jacoby Jones. I think that he is really going to step up in that role. But Cami, where do you look? Yeah, I think this was one of the biggest question marks after Joseph Asai. 
uh, transitioned over to the NFL. I think it's probably going to be um, LSU transfer Ray Thornton. Um, I feel like he chose Texas in a sense that he was going to be able to come in and start right away. And in limit, limited playing time with LSU, he still finished last season with a fourth fourth most sacks for the Tigers. He was used in a lot of uh, blitz packages. We obviously know PK likes to do that as well. Um, so I think he'll rise up that depth chart pretty quick and um, become the starting jack role for Texas. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they use those guys. I mean, obviously, we talk about Jacoby Jones, um, you know, is the guy that I brought up. Prince Doorbell, where does he fit in this defense? That's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, we didn't get to see much of him. We thought he might be the jack behind Osai last year, but we never really got to see that much from him. You know, so when you look at the jack role, I think that's going to be a – that's probably the most important question outside of safety uh, for this defense. Who's going to play those positions? And we'll get into that as spring ball approaches next month. Isn't that exciting to talk about, Cami? Spring ball is coming next month, at least that's what Steve Sarkeesian said when he met with the media after National Signing Day. Uh, so the one position that we have left that we're going to talk about on this episode of the Football Friday on the Locked on Longhorns podcast, the nickel position. Who plays nickel corner? Because when I look at this team, I look at it this way. My two outside corners, I got Darian Dunn, the transfer of McNeese State, and I put in Sean Jamison on the other side because he's been the starter the last two years. So when you look at the nickel, who do you play, and are you looking at Josh Thompson? Yeah, I. this was the hardest and probably still is the hardest position battle for me to kind of narrow down, um, along with our uh, contributors at Longhorns Wire as well. But um, I I think the versatility of Darian Dunn and Deshaun Jameson could possibly um, make them a candidate to fit at the nickel spot. Um, I am leaning towards Josh Thompson right now. Um, he kind of gives the Longhorns more coverage opportunities uh, based on how good he looked last season. He's obviously fairly physical as well. So um, I don't know because I'd feel just as comfortable playing Darian Dunn or Chris Adamora here. So um, I, I would probably lean towards what you're saying and keep Deshaun on the outside. Yeah, and, and the reason why I say Darian Dunn on the outside and not inside is because of his size and length. Um, so you, you, a six foot one, six two corner, I don't want playing on the inside. Um, you know, especially when most of the taller wide receivers are going to play outside, and so that's why I was thinking he needs to be on the outside. Deshaun Jameson obviously has been there. Josh Thompson is an option there. I think uh, I like Chris Adamora there, uh, just because he kind of played a similar role in the spur, which more of a hybrid nickel corner linebacker, played around the line of scrimmage, can play coverage. It's very similar to how Pete Kwiatkowski used Buda Baker several years ago in Washington, moved him all around. He played him in nickel corner. He played him at safety. He played him at outside linebacker uh, all over the place. And I think Chris Adamora is kind of that Swiss Army knife on the defense in the secondary um, and then obviously there's the safety position that we're not really going to get into, but that is a big question. Uh, who's going to play safety considering both starting safeties are gone. You do have BJ Foster back. You do have Jaron Thompson back. Um, and then you add in one of the top safeties in the country in JD coffee. So there's a lot of excitement with the safeties. Uh, but Cammy, I want to appreciate you hopping on once again on the locked on long work podcast on a football Friday. Uh, I will check with you guys on Monday. Keep it locked on. Welcome. Okay.